coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. When women are asked when their husband is most sexually attracted to them, one of their major responses, either number one or in the top there, is when he's doing housework. Men think, you know, you buff up, get a tan, unbutton your shirt, get a gold chain, strut around the house, you know. She says, grab the vacuum, that'll do it right there. And... I want to begin by talking about three truths that we need to understand about sex. These are just three things that just kind of create a foundation for sexual understanding. And the first is so important, and that's this. God created sex for pleasure in lifelong enjoyment in marriage. And the main thing I want to say is God created sex. And he created sex enjoyable because he's a great God and he's a fun God. And when he watches us have sex, because he does watch you have sex. <laughs> Turn the lights out. <laughs> he can see anyway. <laughs> Put your flannel nightgown on. He can see anyway. So, and, and we have this, because when you say that, God's watching you have sex, like, oh, don't watch, you know. But God is not, you know, watching us having sex saying, oh, you people are enjoying that way too much. Oh, I didn't have that in mind. Hey, hey, cut that out. Cut that out. What? I wanted you to do that three or four times for children. That's what some people believe. And see, the devil exploits that because what the devil says is God's a big fuddy-duddy, and if you want to have if you want to have sex and or you want to have enjoyment sexually, you have to come to my side, the dark side, to enjoy it. Well, let me tell you something. God wants you. God wants you to enjoy sex in marriage, and to have that enjoyment for the rest of your married life. It's very, very important. So don't get it in your head that God's against pleasure in sex and marriage. God's for it. He's the one who created it. The second thing that you have to believe is that God put pr the parameters he did on sex for our protection. Is, uh, in other words, the Bible, there are some things the Bible says that we shouldn't do sexually. Uh, adultery, fornication, fantasy, lust. The Bible just simply says that it's wrong. Well, in my car, I've got an owner's manual. And in that owner's manual, they tell me a lot of things not to do. You know, they tell me things to do and things not to do. But they say, don't drive it like this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I've never taken the owner's manual of my car and read it saying, huh, what do they know? They're just trying to keep me from having fun, you know, and well, change the oil. What do they know? You know, and the people who wrote the instruction manual for my car know they want me to enjoy it so I'll be a, a customer again and come purchase another one of their cars. And they created it. They know how, how it works. God created wide parameters sexually. There are many, many ways that we can have sex in marriage and enjoy sex in marriage. But God created a fence. And when he says don't do something, he's trying to love us and protect us. He's not being a legalist. He's being a protective daddy. But the yard is a big yard. It's not a tiny little yard that you have missionary position sex three or four times and get it over with and you're grossing God out. It's a big yard where God says, go play in the trees and the bushes and jump on the trampoline and swim in the river and the lake and just don't go over that fence over there. And so you're saying, what can we do in sex and marriage? A bunch, a bunch. 
you can do a whole lot. And so what I'm saying is get your Batman uniform out and have a big time. And I said it. I told you I'd make you blush. I just said, no, I'd make myself blush. Anyway, so, oh, isn't God fun? He's so fun. I love God so much. Here's another truth you have to believe. God created the sexual differences in us to make our relationship more fulfilling and dynamic. We're very different sexually. And you say, why did God do that? To, to make the relationship more fulfilling and dynamic. Let me talk about some of the differences between us sexually because you know we're very different sexually. We're two halves of a whole. When you're relating to your spouse properly, your world comes together. I have half the brain, Karen has the other half. Together we're brilliant. Separately, we're not so brilliant. I have half the world, she has the other half the world. Together we have a whole world. Separately, we don't have the whole world. We're two halves of a whole, but we're different. The old saying, if you're both the same, one of you is unnecessary. We're different. We fit together. Men, sex stimulates our emotions. With women, emotions stimulate sex. We're the exact opposite. A, a woman becomes more sexual as her husband becomes more romantic and emotional. When we come into her world emotionally, she comes into our world sexually. That's her response. But for men, when women become sexual, we open up to them emotionally. Men are never more emotional than right after sex. Sometimes because it's been so long. But... <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. But truly, when, when, we're, when we have sex with our wives, that's when we're most emotionally vulnerable. You get to our emotions through sex, and we get to your sex through emotions. What it is. Isn't it interesting the way that God made us so different? And you say, well, why, why would God do something like that? Well, first of all, God rewards character. In God's world, character People of character have the greatest sex. It's interesting that women, when women are asked when their husband is most sexually attractive to them, one of their major responses, either number one or in the top there, is when he's doing housework. Men think, you know, you buff up, get a tan, unbutton your shirt, get a gold chain, strut around the house, you know. She says, grab the vacuum, that'll do it right there. And listen. God wired women where they become aroused when they see a sacrificial man. Remember, women are not as visual as men. Is God rewards character. And men are aroused by a woman who is their friend who gives them honor and respect. Nothing is more attractive to a man than a woman who is honoring us and praising us and coming into our world. And when women honor their husbands and become our friends, and that's God rewards that. So let me, let me talk about five ingredients to sexual fulfillment in marriage. Number one, commit to, your, uh, commit to meeting your spouse's sexual needs in a committed and faithful manner. Again, 1 Corinthians 7 says when we get married, our bodies belong to each other. Not a license for abuse, but a license for use. You never, you never use your body to punish your spouse. This is your place of pleasure and delight. And it's yours. I'm so thankful for Karen. Karen has never used her body uh, to punish me or withdraw from me. And she has been faithful even through the difficult times of our marriage. She's always been faithful to meet my sexual needs. About 20% of women are more sexual than their husbands. But, but let me just say this. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's more sexual. The only thing that matters is that you say to your spouse, I'm committed to meeting your sexual needs. 
I, I will faithfully meet your sexual needs for the rest of our life. It might not be my need. Now, I'm not going to sin. I'm obviously not going to violate my conscience before God. But again, there are many ways that we can please each other. There are many ways that we can enjoy sex in marriage together. I am committed. You will never not have your sexual needs met because of me. I will be a faithful partner. You're more important than anything else in my life except for Jesus. And I will faithfully serve you sexually. Number two, ingredient of sexual fulfillment marriage is communication of your sexual needs and allowing your spouse to communicate. A lot of times this is the, the issue that we just can't talk about. And that's, you need to talk. What is it that you like? What is it that you dislike? Sex was one of those issues for Karen and me before we uh, had our vision retreat that we never sat down and talked about that much. We just get in bed and have sex and just, you know, no, no pun intended, just kind of feel things out, you know. So it, we, we would, but what happened was frustration, you know, is that we were having sex, but we weren't verbally communicating and saying, yes, I like that. No, I don't like that. Yes, do this. No, I don't, don't do that. It, it was just frustrating. So at one of our vision retreats, we just sat down and talked about sex. And we said, listen, what is our vision for our sex life? What, what do we believe that God is saying about our sex life? And we took sex and made it an open topic where we had plenty of time on our vision retreat just to talk about, let's talk about sex for a while. And we talked about my needs, we talked about her needs, we talked about things I like and don't like, we talked about things that she liked and didn't like. It was the greatest discussion we had ever had, and it changed our sex life because we talked about it. Again, don't be ashamed of this issue. It's an important issue in your marriage, but you need to verbally communicate, and you need to both be in agreement. And if you do and you get in bed, you're going to have a great time. If you don't, if you're not communicating, a lot of your communication is just going to be through you know, uh, you know, not saying things, but just kind of pushing your spouse away and being negative, and they're going to take that as rejection. So talk about it and communicate what you want and all that. Number three, commit to sexual purity to protect the integrity of your marriage. Sexual purity. Say, I'm committed to being sexual pure, and this is a big deal. Let me talk about some standards of sexual purity. If you're going to be pure, here's what you do. Number one, I will not allow fantasy lust or lust for another person in my life. I'll take my thoughts captive. The most important thing sexually is your thought life. Uh, pornography, temptation, those kinds of things, it's not centered in your sexual organs. It's centered in your, in your mind. The only way you can overcome sexual temptation is to take control of your thoughts. You can't take thoughts out of your mind. You can only replace them with greater thoughts. Biblical meditation, according to Psalm 1, promises that we will succeed in everything that we do in our lives. And so the first commitment is I'm not I'm not going to let people in my mind that that I'm having sex with. I'm going to I'm going to battle and I'm going to take control of that. Number 2, I will not develop an inappropriate emotional or sexual relationship with another person regardless of the condition of our marriage. Let me let me say this now and I don't want to say this in a legalistic manner. I think it's a great idea for couples to have a Facebook account that you sit down together and that on the internet that you're very accountable and that what you're doing is done in the presence and with the knowledge of your spouse. And so maybe your spouse always can't be present, but I believe this was in, in England, and this, this was in the newspaper in England. We ran it in one of our marriage day letters. There was a couple cheating with each other on the Internet. And they were, they were in different places in their home online cheating with each other. And they didn't know it. 
But finally, they arranged a get-together. And they showed up at the same place at the same time, and they divorced. When they found, you, what? You've been cheating online? We so have you. They divorced. You know what was happening? They were on there saying, you know, to each other things that they weren't saying to each other physically. They fell in love with each other on the internet when they were falling out of each other, out of love with each other physically. Kind of an interesting dynamic there. You can have the password to every computer or phone I've got. Nothing I'm doing is hidden from you. And let me just say something. If you don't have the password to everything your spouse is doing, there's something wrong with your relationship. I'm not hiding one thing from you. Number three, I will turn the unmet needs in my life to God and trust him for the answers. I'm not turning to sin. If I've got, if we've got problems, I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to turn to God. You can't blame your spouse for your sexual sins. Even if your needs are unmet, sin is a choice that we make. We can be pure. We can turn to God. Uh, Karen, you know, in our sex life over the years, Karen prays about that. She, she takes her sexual issues and I do too. I have a, my relationship with God is I talk to God about it. He's my very best friend and he's my safest place in the world. I talk to him about everything, everything. There's not a thought in my mind. I'll be praying and I'll have a bad thought and I'll say, Lord, you know that thought that just came into my mind. And I talk to him about it. Bring it all before the Lord. He knows his throne is the throne of grace. He cares. He's not grossed out by it and he'll help you to deal with those issues. But if you don't take it to God, it's going to go somewhere else. Number four, I'll be honest and accountable about my temptations, and especially those who could, that could compromise my marriage. Maybe that you're struggling with pornography or something like that, is that you, you need to get help. You need to become accountable. In a book called Intimate, Intimate Issues, it was written by two Christian ladies that we've had on our television program, Christian women, 90% of Christian women say that they've been attracted to someone other than their husband. 90% of Christian women, I've been attracted to somebody other than my husband. Well, let me just say, we all have been. I have been, Karen has been, we all have been attracted to someone other than our spouse. That's not the issue. The issue is what are we going to do about it? Especially when our marriage isn't as good as it should be. Especially when we're going through problems. I'm going to be accountable. I'm not going to find a group of people that will tell me what I want to hear. And I'm not going to go off into darkness and do something wrong with it. I'm going to be accountable and sexually pure. And number five, I'm not going to be close friends with people who are violating the covenant of their marriage. I'm not going to have friends. Sometimes you'll go to the office or, you know, you'll be with a group of friends and they're committing adultery. They're going to strip bars, men and women going to strip bars. They're, they're doing things like that. I'm not going to have friends like that. My friends aren't perfect, but my friends are committed to the Lord. And my friends don't do that kind of stuff. Or at least they're, they're not, uh, you know, practicing those kind of things and giving approval to it. So those are the things that are going to make the difference in your sex life of whether you're pure or not. Because we know adultery and sexual sin and pornography and things like that, it, it devastates a lot of marriage relationships. Number four, foundation of sexual pleasure in marriage. Create an atmosphere of sexual pleasure. Create an atmosphere. Work hard at making your marriage pleasurable sexually. Uh, romance outside the bedroom. Especially important for women that you romance your wife, that you meet her emotional needs, that you pursue her. Have a date night every week. Every week have a date night where you romance your wife and you, you take care of her emotional needs. 
plan sexual encounters on a regular basis when you have the most time. You plan sex, and especially when, when, our, when our kids were young. Karen and I planned, we'd say, choose, we, with our code word was being together. Is, are we going to be together Tuesday night? And being together means we're going to have sex. And so we'd say, Tuesday night, we're going to have sex. She said, okay. That, that meant we're going to prepare for this. You know, we're going to make sure that we're not too tired. We're going to make sure that we have the time. We're going to make sure the kids are taken care of. And by the way, we had his night, her nights, and my nights. Say, and we would say, is this your night or is this my night? What does that mean? Because my nights are different than her nights. <laughs> Some time we had our nights, but a lot of times. And so if it was her night, I knew what to expect. Okay, And I came in prepared that I'm going to focus tonight on meeting her needs and her way. We're going to have sex, but it's going to be different than when we, I have sex my way. And so we had, that's what we did. And we were creative and energetic. You can, <laughs> you, you can think about it as long as you want to, but I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> but we both got our needs met. That's the thing I'm trying to say. It wasn't all my way or her way. And sometimes it was just our nights. But, you know, the longer we were married, the more we enjoyed the same things. But we, we had special times. Sometimes morning is the best time to have sex. Sometimes you're just having a quickie. Sometimes you're just having sex and it's a quickie and that's all it is. And, and you go on. But sometimes you need a longie. And... Uh, <laughs> And you need several hours to be together, and you need the time to to enjoy each other, to talk, to you know, to share sex, and to to please each other physically. And so you can plan those things. In fact, it needs to be planned. It needs to be you know a weekly issue in your marriage to where you know two or three times this week, you know, we're going to have times where we're together sexually, but especially one of those is going to be uh, really special. And the last thing is this. The fifth thing is this. Communicate and deal with sexual problems together. If you have sexual problems, deal with it. Because most of us are going to deal with sexual problems, lack of desire or whatever. It could be chemical. It could be unresolved conflict. You know, you don't desire sex. It could be that there's conflict in our marriage, stress and fatigue, you know, whatever it might be. If you're having a problem with sexual desire, go to the doctor. Or go, if you need to go get counseling, you know, because there's an emotional issue. It may be past abuse. Uh, sometimes people have been sexually abused in their past, and it has a lot of uh, problems related to your present. You, you need to get help for that. Don't listen when you're when you're having problems sexually. Your spouse is being affected by that, and so don't don't strand your spouse sexually by not dealing with your problems. Whether it's medical, whether it's emotional, whether it's whatever it is, if I've got a problem, I'm going to deal with my problem aggressively for the sake of our marriage. You know, that is such an important teaching on sex, sexual fulfillment in marriage. And this, this is the issue. Sex is such a wonderful blessing. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sex is one of the main reasons that people get married. It's also one of the main reasons that people get divorced. The beautiful gift of sex that's such a beautiful thing in our marriages, you know, if we're not careful in how we deal with this issue, you know, it can become something that really becomes painful. And some of you are experiencing that pain right now. And I, I want to say this. First of all, God is bigger than all of our problems. So anytime that we're facing problems sexually or otherwise, God loves us. He's a part of our lives. He's a forgiving God. If we've made mistakes, thank God that God is so merciful and gracious. And he does not want to condemn us. He wants to forgive us. But, you know, pleasure within marriage comes as we come to God in God's design for marriage and sex. 
and we honor that design. That's where pleasure comes from. That's where lasting pleasure comes from. Pain comes when we go outside of the boundaries that God has created for sex, and we begin to do things that God says we shouldn't do. And let me say, what the devil wants you to believe is God's a fuddy-duddy that doesn't want you to have fun. And the devil wants you to believe that so he can, you know, destroy your relationship and destroy your life. But what God wants to do with you and for you and your marriage is to fulfill you. In the context of marriage, you and your spouse, in a blessed, secure, pure relationship where you can share each other's bodies, where you can be adventurous and and, and explore uh, within the confines that God has created. And those are big confines. God has given us many ways that we can have sex within marriage and, and to pleasure each other, which just bonds our relationship even more. It creates so much goodwill and harmony. It is a very, very important part of marriage, and it's the only unique feature of marriage. Sex is sacred between a husband and a wife in marriage, and I hope that this program today has really been an encouragement to you because this is a big deal. This is a very important area that we need to take very seriously and pray. Invite God into your sex life and pray that God would bless you and that God would help you to fulfill each other in this very important area. You know, we come to you because of financial support of partners that help us to take this ministry all over the world. And I'm asking you, Karen and I, we're asking you to consider becoming a financial partner with us. Our financial partners are called Rock Solid Partners. And when you help us as partners of this ministry, you get special resources and special blessings that other people don't get because we want to thank you for being our partner. Literally, our partners are the backbone of this ministry that help us do everything that we do. And I'm asking you, would you consider becoming a monthly partner with Marriage Today? You get a special teaching uh, from me every month, the first and best of all of my marriage teachings. And all of my teachings come, first of all, to our rock-solid partners. And when you become a partner, you're literally helping to take our ministry, our television program, our events, our resources all over the world to help us help couples to succeed in marriage and to help little children to stay together with their parents. Literally, that's what you're doing, is to helping families stay together. Because when a marriage stays together, that means a family stays together. Would you please consider becoming a partner with Karen and me? And here's how you can do it. 